right, everybody. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast. It is a party because today is the 100th episode of the Fallout Lorecast. And it has been uh, quite the journey so far. Thank you for joining me. Those of you who have made it into the live stream, welcome to the stream. Thank you for being here. This is now a regular thing on Monday nights. Uh, we're doing it an hour earlier because we have a bunch of guests and we're having kind of a party tonight. Normally, this would be at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash robots radio. But welcome to all the live chat. Welcome to our guests for today. Um, Let's go. Let's introduce everybody. These are some familiar faces. Some of you guys have seen the Fallout Hub live, so you're going to you're going to see uh, Ken and Dave here. Ken, how's it going? It's going well. Let me tell you. We'll, we'll tell us. We'll tell us. Go, to go on. celebrate the 100th episode, I have a bottle of Chateau Saint-Michel, oh. the finest Gurtstraminer available. Mm. Sounds fancy in French or something. Yes. War Machine 6,907. <laughs> no, this episode is sponsored by. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so we have Ken. We also have Dave. Dave, how's it going? Hello. I have a fun fact. Uh, it's pronounced Gewurzschmiener. That rhymes with Hertzmoiner. I learned this in college in a uh, geography of wine class. And it pairs well with Thai food. So maybe you can get some spicy noodle up in that mouth, Ken. Huh. Dave does some Mollier. I just, just wait till I go grocery shopping, man. It's like, I will not buy from that $5 chill. <laughs> Fan, too fancy. Too fancy. Um, so um, you might you might recognize these these two clowns from uh, Fallout Hub, <laughs> which we do together on Tuesdays. Um, and Ken also from the Chad uh, Fallout 76 podcast. And Dave, you've got a new show, right? Yeah, I've got a new show uh, coming out Thursday called um, Geography Arcade. It's a weekly podcast about video games and geography. And our first episode is about Fallout 76, because where else are we going to freaking start? Yeah. And all of that stuff is on uh, Robots Radio. Also, one of my all-tune all tune favorite, man, words are just tough today, all-tune favorite streamers, and probably the, what I would what I would consider the best Fallout 76 streamer, Tuneversal, Tune tune i'm yeah. talking about Hello. you buddy I know, right? I, I, I'm welcome for somebody else in the room here welcome how's it going uh, it's going great thanks for having me robots and a big congratulations on 100 episodes of the fallout Lorecast. Well, congratulations thank sir thank you very much and if you aren't following him already you need to go check out his streams he streams daily in the mornings uh to universal so twitch.tv slash universal and then there's another uh individual here who you may recognize from our episode last week uh laney my Hi. my daughter and also now regular co-host of the fallout Lorecast. welcome laney how's it going good 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 yeah well so <laughs> so thanks for being here um so again thank you to all of everybody who shows up live and throughout this stream and and recording of this i'll be dropping in some uh some free packs of some crates for you guys to open up and uh use during game streams and things like that and my regular schedule now will be streaming in the evenings and then playing games with you guys so you're welcome to use those during regular streams so let's kick this off we are talking today about some of our favorite bits of lore, some of the things that we love the most about these wonderful games that make us want to create things and play them in front of people and act like total goofballs in front of a microphone and those kinds of things. So, Tune, you brought something today to share with us. What is, I did. What is one of your favorite things about the lore? What, if, what can you share with us? So, you know, with Bethesda games like Elder Scrolls and, and Fallout, uh, the attention to detail is incredible. And it's a, for me, it's a lot of little things that really uh, make the world more vivid and feel more alive. And one of the, one of the little things that I, that I have come to appreciate about Fallout Lore, a little tidbit of lore, are the, uh, are the Pulaski uh, shelters that you see dotting the wasteland. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. These are super, super interesting because uh it's, it's all about like you know saving yourself from nuclear fallout on a budget they're coin operated they're, you see the blue ones in fallout 4 and in in 76 just you know all over the place uh i think they're a different color maybe in maybe in three in the capital wasteland but it, it's just fascinating because you, you don't know if this company was out to make a quick buck 
or if if they knew beforehand that the uh, that the uh, shelters would actually not protect you from radiation. Right. Uh, it's just it's just it's just incredible to think about. Like in, in other other post apocalyptic fiction that I read, there's always that one company or that one person that's out to make some money off of fear mongering or uh, just playing on people's emotions. And you know, it's just interesting interesting to think about these Pulaski shelters just being somewhere uh that people could duck in real quick and just whatever they had on them was what they had but they didn't supply water they didn't supply food so people we don't know if anybody survived coming out of these shelters we you know you find dead bodies in the shelter sometimes with when they be a pistol like maybe they had to had to shoot themselves just to just to get rid of the pain or the or the starvation but uh for me the pulaski shelters are just a fascinating piece of of lore within the fallout universe yeah the whole thing is a little bit crazy because how long Mm -hmm. can you possibly like so the numbers are something like three or four days without water three or four weeks without food three or four minutes without air or something like that right like that's one of those things so uh, the first thing you're going to run out of is water (laughs) right Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so like yeah Oh, congratulations. It's just whatever you had on you at the time. Whatever, like, yeah. whatever you had on you. Yeah. Though the radiation will go away in a few days. It'll be fine. This is fine. Yeah. Yeah. How are you going to survive without peaking ravioli? I know, right? Nobody thought of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a um, song. Every time I think of the Pulaski Shelters, there's a song by uh, Andrew Bird called Pulaski at Night. I don't know if you guys are fans of Andrew Bird, if you know who the musician Andrew Bird is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you should look him up. He's a he's an amazing musician, very talented guy. Anyway, there's a song called Pulaski at Night, which every time that comes up, the, the song just plays through my head. Um, yeah, I don't remember if the Fallout Three ones were a different color or not. That is, I don't know. You know, you can't remember. miss it. It's like it's, it's like a phone booth. Like they're they're on a lot of corners and just like mm-hmm. it's like hey, protection on a budget. Duck in here. Yeah. You yeah. might survive. We don't know. We haven't tested these, but yeah. Yep, I think so, those are those are really. Good I remember uh, someone. They've got like a a um, it's almost like a like contained world building within them. So, like you said, you can find people in their clothes, but it always makes you wonder what person went into there. And yeah, yeah, what was their story, and it's almost like yeah. bite sized and contained to that particular mm-hmm. area. I, that I particular really shelter. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's you know what's funny about this is that it resonates with me. Uh, talking about this stream being for charity against government corruption like this sounds like it's right out of one of our headlines from today right this whole like Mm -hmm. oh fires in california or double hurricane coming to hit the southeast you know get in us get in a pulaski shelter today we haven't tested it out but it'll be fine you'll survive cash or credit card Right. Takes, yeah. You, you pay like a hundred bucks on your credit card. The thing opens up and lets you in. You get inside and then you look around and go, uh, <laughs> so now what? This is yeah. fine. <laughs> this is fine. Yeah. And then you're the dog with the world burning around you. Right. Yeah. 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 It, I need to do an episode on those. I need to look into it. I, I'm I sure there's some lore. I bet there are some, um, somewhere there's, there's gotta be information about the company behind it. Uh, there's uh, there's got there's so much information buried in these games there has to be a terminal mm. somewhere that talks about it or at least a story where someone relates to like yeah so i went into the pulaski shelter and then that was a dumb idea so i left and now i'm in this building and these are my final words or you know something like that so i remember uh some youtuber eons ago had done an experiment where they went into it and they um tested to see if it would actually protect you from radiation just with nuke mines thrown around the exterior and of course it doesn't <laughs> of course it doesn't yeah also with the fallout 3 uh launch when they did those prepare for the future videos they had uh, a really sleazy car salesman kind of guy mm-hmm. who introduced the Pulowski shelters before uh, transitioning to jangles the moon monkey and captain cosmos nice nice <laughs> yeah that's exactly the kind of personality that would be advertising that kind of thing for sure well thanks june this was a this yeah. was a fun um this is a fun thing i definitely have to look look up more about this on a future episode laney let's let's put some uh let's put that down in the in the yeah in the old reservoir <laughs> the old noggin there for future, <laughs> for future uh potential topics laney do you remember anything about the pulaski shelters is this something that you remember coming across? Nothing in particular, just that they exist, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just kind of these little things that you don't pay any attention to until you, like Toon says, like you come up on one and you actually think about it and go, how is this useful? <laughs> You're just like, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, Dave. 
what what are you talking about what's one of your favorite things about the lore one of my favorite things about the warrant uh, uh let's see i'm 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 debating between fire breathers and the pit but i i recently i went to pittsburgh maybe two months ago so i want to talk about the pit uh yeah the pit is probably one of the best contained fallout stories in 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 the world so essentially you're going into the city which by the way is in appalachia um so maybe in the future you know that's my my theories out there um it's one of those places that's also recreated so if you're coming up from the south in in pittsburgh and you go through the tunnel um which is there you go across the bridge and the first time i went to pittsburgh i was like holy crap this is like fallout 3 without you know the the bodies hanging off the bridge decapitated (laughs) and such um the story itself is so ingrained in the culture of pittsburgh like with the steel production being the last one in the the wasteland um with uh this class system that's been worked into of you you have these slave workers you have the kind of upper class raiders that are forcing them to work there's this rebellion against them there's there's problems with people working in in the area and then you've got this like the lore behind that is like some like warhammer 40k level stuff where they <laughs> walked into that town and it was called like the great scourge or something um and the brotherhood of steel just like wrecked it all and and, and obliterated it all um i think that you 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 don't have the story and 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 level of detail of fallout 76 without the pit and that's why it's probably my favorite Mm -hmm. it's really dark it's really yeah uh, and and what's interesting about this to me is that people generally associate the bethesda designed and written games as being lighter and sillier and the uh, obsidian games like the the original two and then uh, New Vegas as being darker and a little bit more gritty, right? Like the whole a mm. bunch of the stuff going on in New Vegas is dark. The Legion's dark. The expansions yeah. for that are dark. Uh, but then you have like, you know, New Coca-Cola World and, you know, and like crazy aliens showing up and all of these kinds of things in the Bethesda ones. But I think people don't give the pit enough credit for, you know, Bethesda really pulling a dark story. Right. And you're using circular saws and these things that you would find. Uh, I, I like when you find the weapons that have been used for a previous thing pre-war and then they get converted into something new for the fall. Yeah. You know, uh, we don't have some of those for 76 yet. Right. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, there's some there's some stuff with the settlers. They came down from the pit and this is pre Warhammer 40K. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's so a long a long day. time before warhammer 40k <laughs> maybe we are the warhammer 40k <laughs> maybe that's the dark future maybe so <laughs> oh. did you guys play through that did any of you the rest of you play through it i did uh and the pit was almost too dark for me i remember not enjoying the pit <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember when uh, they announced it, and then I think the trailer came out, and my initial reaction was like, ooh. <laughs> like, yeah. mm. Would you like to eat a baby? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, or okay. Pick one. <laughs> oh my god, I thought we were supposed to kill children. I have I to remember. do <laughs> Moral gray area? I remember when it launched, they had, so like now one of the big Bethesda bugs is, um, you see the word chains just like written out mm-hmm. as, as it goes along random things. Uh, back when they first released that, um, a bunch of the textures were converted into yellow question marks. And so as you'd walk, even like in, in the regular DC wasteland, everything just, some things you would come across a big yellow question mark and you're like, Texture missing. Oh, yes. Moral ambiguity, my old nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder what the lore reason for that is. <laughs> People run around mm-hmm. just putting question marks on things, erasing the natural texture and just putting cartoon looking question mark. This is the Riddler. It's Some Banksy. Probably Banksy. Tagger out there. Yeah. It's ba- ba- new Banksy's new art. Banksy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lainey, did you ever play The Pit? I don't know that you did. No. No. 
Yeah, we'll have to yeah, we'll have to dive back into some of these old uh, expansions again because they they aren't fresh in my mind. You know, like it's been. I mean, how long has it been since the pit was released? Twelve years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I believe the ten year anniversary for New Vegas is coming up next month, isn't it? I think it launched October. Did it? it was ten I years read ago that today? If so, I want to play New Vegas next month. I think it was eleven years ago um, that it released. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was longer yeah, than that. Yeah, I tried to I tried to jump back into it with some mods and only got so far until it just started crashing on me and then I was like, "Well, great. Okay. This is the experience." <laughs> so, cool. It's a good experience though. It's a it's a good the, the mods crashing everything experience. Yeah. That's you a know, great experience. speaking of speaking of our favorite lore and I, I, you know, no Fallout discussion can be uh really had without talking about the bugs and the crashes um my f- one of my first playthroughs was completely wrecked uh fallout 3 was playing through fallout 3 and remember in fallout 3 you're in the capital waste there's all those um raised uh highways interconnecting yeah. and kind of over and they're kind of broken up and there's places you can go on them and people are bunk you know bunkered down up in them and those kinds of things and there was a bug that i found where it had been a few hours since it autosaved because I was just walking around out in the wastes and worked my way up onto one of those like raised highways and hadn't saved it recently. And then all of a sudden, for no reason, I wasn't jumping over geometry. I was just walking. My character just fell through the through the, the road and I plummeted like 50 feet to my death. And then it was like, meh. You, di- you died, but for some reason, I think I like auto saved it like right as it started to happen. So oh, no. I was so I was like, OK, well, I just auto saved it. So I loaded and all of a sudden it loads and I go ah, through, <laughs> through the geometry again. So I was in this like Sisyphusian like a loop of, you know, Groundhog Day loop or whatever yeah. of just falling through geometry. Just dying and over the, and over yeah, again. The, the previous save was something like five hours previous. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So it killed my it killed my experience for about a week or two until I was like, OK, I'll go back and play through that five hours again. And then eventually continued the game. But yeah, had that actually taken hold, I would have just given up. And I, I was almost at that point. But it it was one of those games where enough people were playing it. And I was like, okay, people are saying this is good. I need to get back into it. I need to get past where I was. I was only maybe, I don't know, 15 or 20 hours in at the time. So yeah, and then eventually was able to complete it. But yeah. If you like Tranquility Lane, you will love Purgatory Falls. Purgatory Falls. <laughs> I need to go back into that game and try to figure out what, where that location is, because I bet you can still fall through the ground if you just happen to step on a certain spot where, like, the geometry is just at the wrong angle and you just kind of clip. Right. Yeah. So that's that's my favorite bit of lore. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ken, I know you've got something really fun uh, for us. I do. Ken, Ken is in a very particular mood. During the pre-show, he uh, he popped in and um, sounded like a, a creepy old man because I couldn't see him on camera. And he was like, hello. <laughs> so, uh, what, voice actors. <laughs> so what are you ringing, Ken? What are we talking about? Put your tinfoil hats on, fellas, because we are going quite deep. How deep? I received a mysterious envelope shoved under my door. It read Virtual Strategic Solutions. Upon opening it, I discovered an interesting conspiracy theory that brings us all the way back to the very beginning, Fallout 1. Back in Fallout 1, as you are reading through the manual, you read a little bit about the work of vault Research Group, along with Virtual Strategic Solutions, creating the SimTech 5000. Uh, It was designed as a experience for vault dwellers to become reacclimated to the outside world, to experience what it would be like to live in a post-apocalyptic world. That dated back to Fallout 1, but more recently in Fallout 3, um, we had a direct experience with it when we finally caught up with Dr. Stanislaus Braun, dad, in uh stepped into tranquility lane to meet braun for the first time oh braun um, 
Virtual Strategic Solutions was a, a pre-war contractor for the United States military that developed virtual reality solutions. Um, the Tranquility Lane pods that in Fallout 4 you, you run into that are more being used for leisure were corrupted um, in Vault 112 for more nefarious purposes by Braun. Um, they have a really interesting history in terms of the game itself um, and have been woven through each one of the games. One of the more creepy uh, entries has to do with a theory for Fallout 76. And there's a very particular terminal entry that is located right inside um, the Enclave bunker. And it reads as follows. Secretary Eckhart, please, you need to listen to me. None of the other members will take me seriously, but I believe this is of the utmost importance. We are slaves. I've been running some tests, and I believe I've stumbled upon what I believe to be conclusive evidence that we are trapped playing someone else's game. Virtual Strategic Solutions' game, that is. Everything around you, Mr. Secretary, is a simulation, a projection onto your brain. VSS has trapped us in here and is up to us to break free. The key to our escape, I believe, lies in a small town in what we perceive to be China. It's the link to VSS's external network. If we destroy it, it will shut down the simulation. I believe finally we will be free. I cannot tell you exactly why we've been imprisoned. Perhaps this is a test by the upper ranks to make us earn our way into their good graces. Perhaps VSS has trapped us in here to prevent the Enclave from stopping whatever nefarious acts they're currently visiting about the world in our absence. But we must do something, Mr. Secretary. To fail to act is to give up the only thing that makes us men, our freedom. That's some Matrix-level stuff right there. <laughs> There's been a long-running kind of fan theory because of some um, incongruities with Fallout 76, especially when we get into kind of Atom Shop drops, which technically should not exist timeline-wise. Yeah, so like been communist power armor theory. and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ranger armor. Yeah, that kind of stuff yeah. that just doesn't make sense timeline-wise that uh, fans are wondering if 76 and some of its odd incongruities are part of a simulation. Um, but mentioning China as being um, a fail-safe to shut down the experiment if it's destroyed. Also in Tranquility Lane, the way that we get out, if you don't assist Braun, is to find that fail-safe sequence that just involves kind of manipulating and touching objects to escape. That uh, kind of creepy tinfoil hat matrixy stuff is one of my favorite bits of lore. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's also one of those things that the developers do where they kind of break the fourth wall. And it's just a nod to <laughs> you're playing a video game and some of the characters are figuring that out. <laughs> yep. You know, like when Ferret told us that they purposely do that to give us stuff to talk about and theorize about. It makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. There's I'm sure there's a well. And, and he even said that they they write out bits of the lore and then they just delete things it's not that they just remove them and keep them in a file somewhere they just sometimes they just delete them and they just go well here's a here's a hole and there's no official answer anymore it's gone there's That's, only one man on earth who knows yeah it's it's only like in in the guy who wrote its head it's not actually written down anywhere. That's that's amazing. It's it's also kind of cool from that stance of um, historically, that's what history does, right? Yeah. Like you get far enough for well, well, two things. History is always based on the perspective of the person who writes it, right? So the, the whole quote of like the the victors write the history and all that kind of stuff. But really, it's also just anybody who was around who wrote it is going to have their own particular perspective on it you know that's why you have multiple versions of many historical stories um but also if nobody's around to record it it disappears it's like it never happened or there's right. gigantic holes and you have to play detective try to piece things together but ultimately you only come down to probabilities you go well it's most likely that this is the thing that fills that hole but we really don't know and that this is another one of those things that I think is really cool about game design and cooperative storytelling and those kinds of things. And I've talked about this on the show before is that like that it actually mirrors reality because that's the way the real world works. There is no, you know, there's no God perspective on the history of of 
mankind. We can't get that perspective ourselves. Um, we also think about um, the more removed we are from people that we experience firsthand, a generation or two away, people become a historical construct where we remember them for memorable acts but not necessarily get a full picture of who they are. They became kind of, they become a, a two-dimensional abstract. Like, right. Yeah, like even right. our founding fathers were very complex people yeah. who, you know, weren't the kind of paragons of virtue right. <laughs> like we were right. taught in school. But you find out more about them that they were flawed humans like the rest of us. Right, right. And and yeah, and we, we like to boil things down when it comes to, this is another one of those topics, we like to boil things down to a very simplified picture of something. You know, like Thomas Jefferson was pro-slavery, you know, or something like right. that, right? But maybe he was during certain parts of his life and maybe he wasn't during other parts of his life. Maybe he was conflicted internally about it. Maybe he was when it came to uh, finance and money, but he was against it when it came to personal morals. Um, and he had to make a decision publicly, which painted him a certain way, but in his personal life, he effectively believed and acted differently. You know, like no person is two dimensional. We all have yeah, these like, complexities. Abraham Lincoln was like that, where historically we were presented that he had a very particular idea, but the reality of the civil war and why things were done and were, was incredibly complicated that we're still debating to this day. Yeah. The 25 year old version of you is not the same person as the 30 year old version of you. It's not the same as the 40 year old version of you. Like it, it depends on when you wrote something, wrote something or what you believed at that time or what your life experience was like at that time. And things can change on a daily basis. Like that's the other thing is that human beings, we change regularly. You know, like if you ask me today, what's your favorite food? I might say, you know, I might be buddy bot and say pizza. Uh, but if you ask me tomorrow what my favorite food is, I might say, you know, I really love a really good, you know, Mexican dish. Like it just, you know, like it, it depends. Like we change. We, we, we fluctuate. None of us are at the end of our story. And when we're at the end of our story. The Mothman's Ranger gave Buddy Bot a <laughs> slice of pizza. <laughs> Mothman's Ranger gave Buddy Bot a slice of pizza. Yay! Thanks for the pizza. Well, good, good job, buddy. Bot, you got some pizza. Um, if anybody's listening on the podcast version of this, the audio version, wondering what's going on uh, during the live stream, there are cards that you can collect that um, you can play during the streams. So uh, there are a number. Of, there's actually slices of pizza, and then there are entire pizzas. You can give Buddy Bot an entire pizza if you want, and he's just gonna love it. He just loves pizza. Um, yeah, that's that's such a cool. It, this is why it's possible to do a lore cast that's this is why it's possible for me to get through 100 episodes of this podcast and still have plenty of content to do is that these kinds of topics can be referred to and are added into the you know the content of these games but then they connect to so many things you know right. and and we've talked with some of the creators before and and we the things that the original designers were pulling from um, there's this culture of post-apocalyptic literature from 20 something years ago that has influenced a lot of things, but this is one of those games where it plugged into that kind of stuff. And so much of, so much of those concepts and the ideas that we were dealing with right at the end of the 20th century are in some ways playing themselves out today and were kind of prescient, you know, they're kind of, uh, I don't know, predictive in some ways. Um, so it is really kind of interesting to, you know, kind of strange to see some of this stuff play out. Um, some of the, you know, one of the other things that I find so interesting about, about these games is the, the way that they portray society and the, the pre-war society as being like candy coated and everything's all nice and perfect. And yet deep underneath everything, it's all just rotten. Um, and there's there's always that like dynamic between the two. Up, oh, somebody else. I'm getting all sorts of notifications on the stream. Sorry, wrote in and said, while Fallout is so U.S. centric and nationalistic, I do wonder about the impact of these global corporations outside of the USA. Mm -hmm. So, kind of building off what you were saying about these like white picket fences and what have you. Do you all think that the United States and that that culture that it has is so tied to fallout that we won't really see any other countries or do you think that we eventually will i think they alluded to the fact that um 
we would be journaling, we could possibly be doing expeditions outside of. I believe Jeff Gardner, uh, in the interview with the Netherlands um, stream at QuakeCon, had mentioned that they're exploring ways to take us outside the United States. I could have sworn he said that. In mm-hmm. which case, that would be amazing to be able to to see other parts of the world in some fashion and be able to see what happened to them, create some really unique experiences. I think I'm that, curious. Um, oh, the, sorry. M- to answer your question, the mainline games, I, I would be very surprised to see a mainline game come out that is primarily focused on an out of the U.S. location, but... Um, with Fallout 76, they're opening themselves up to years of potential content. Um, so I think it would be really cool to use Fallout 6 as a, a device to explore somewhere out of the U.S. I mean, they've already gone to space, so yeah, they've got that. I'm curious. I'm curious about the rest of the world and how much like the, the United States culture has influenced others. Mm. So is it going to be... Like if we go to a, a place like in Europe that is in, in that, I guess, Chinese, Russia, communist um, marketing campaign, we're going to see a lot more American stuff and everybody kind of being like, these god dang Americans, you know, I yeah. don't know what I would love, was. I would love god dang Americans. I'm from the South, but I don't like America very much. Um, I would love to see a European location like we go to Germany or somewhere yes. and see like division between like the american capitalists and like the communist influence on europe europe trying to like win over europe to their cause and so you you have like conflict you have signs like picket signs left over from before the war you have uh, you, you show all of that conflict plus there's the um the the resource wars and stuff that were going on the yeah. fuel wars um and right. you have europe and then you have the middle east so you can have some of the conflicts going on there um you have a severe lack of oil so i'm sure that you would have um i'm, I'm just thinking about like what would the world have looked like in Europe in 2076, right? Like they don't really, they're missing oil. So cars probably aren't used anymore. Um, they had to get nuclear power from the U S but I'm sure it was very expensive. So you probably had the haves who had it, but you had the have nots who don't. So were they back to like horses and buggies? Like what was, what was society like for the last few decades before the bombs dropped in Europe? bicycles bicycles yeah you get some awesome juxtaposition there to have it almost be like england was we're talking 1500s 1600s where there's a serious division between wealthy aristocratic people living semi-futuristic lives and people who are basically living like it's the dark ages yeah yeah well and, and one of the things that they do in fallout is they they take like a historical view of the future so in the u.s it's the 50s and 60s projected into the future right but what if you go back to europe and it's like victorian times projected into the future that would be amazing <laughs> that would be, be so cool that would be yeah stylistically that would be great <laughs> All right. So we do know that some of the developers at Bethesda do listen to our shows. So, uh, guys, we've got some ideas for you. You know who to contact. (laughs) Ferret, take notes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they're like, yeah, yeah, we already had that idea. Good, good one. I'm sure they're like, ha ha, never paid. You're not. (laughs) We're paid to to do this, and that idea is already 12 years old. Thanks for coming up with it anyway. (laughs) Thank you. What other th- kinds of things do you think we would see out in the rest of the world? I mean, you have other locations. You have South America. You have Canada. Um, the U.S. took over, basically like took on, over Canada. Go ahead. I feel like depending on location, you know, for things that are in North America, a lot of them weather-wise are really, like the climate is relatively the same around most of it. If you go to other places in the world, you would come across other situations where they have to deal with the weather in different ways. I think that would be really interesting to see people who live in the snow all the time. Things yeah. like that, how they've managed to survive, even though it's a wasteland in, you know, freezing cold all the time. Or whether it's a desert and it's super hot, you know, whatever whatever the case may be. Yeah, Dave and I talked about this a little bit on the last Fallout Hub. We were talking about, like changes they could make to Appalachia in 76. And one of them would be if they brought in like winter weather and some of the locations and especially up in the mountain regions where there's the, like the ski slopes and stuff and and to make it still feel new but different with different weather but yeah you could have um i mean you're going to have climate 
uh, changed because of the bombs dropping in across the world right so areas that are arid are going to become more arid areas that are wet might become more wet uh areas that are cold might become colder so yeah you could have you know like what what is what is it like in russia during this time period you know is it absolutely frozen is it is it going to be like playing metro Metro. i think that another thing you'd have to consider though if someone did want to tackle that as a setting it's just that, like, the harder that it gets to live in an area, the less likely people are to survive. So even if people do initially survive or even travel to those areas of the world, how long would they be there? Would there be something to make a game out of? Would it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Things yeah. might just go away. Speaking of seasons, does anyone... Uh, uh, with previous Fallout games, I was a season whore. Every time the seasons changed, especially here in New England... There are mods out there where you could make it autumn where, you know, leaves are falling and it's decorated for Halloween or uh, there's some really great winter mods for Fallout 4 and Fallout 3 that looked really good. I always enjoyed doing that with the change of season. So, yeah, bringing that to 76 would be awesome. The yeah. fact that this, the fact that the the weather and the seasons, like it's it's like in in Appalachia, it's like you're frozen in fall. Like the foliage remains, you know, autumn, orange and yellows. It kind of feeds my conspiracy, Ken, that in Fallout seventy six we are in a simulation. And it's the fact that you can fight Earl the new Wendigo Colossus over and over and over again, right? Or kill the Scorch Beast Queen over and over and over again, yeah. and yet never solve the Scorch problem. Yeah. Yeah, that that does make sense. Tune, you, the reign of terror ends, and then five minutes later, when it gets killed again, oh, the reign of terror ends! <laughs> <laughs> Yay, we did it! Yay, we did it! <laughs> over and over and over. Have you seen my dad Earl? Have you seen my dad Earl? I'm looking for my dad Earl. <laughs> so Tune Sorry, is, Margaret. is now on uh, PC. You've you've upgraded. He's one of us now. Yeah. Sorry, Dave. Um, <laughs> boo. Boo. Boo hit. Have you us. have you considered uh, installing like a Fallout Four or Fallout Three and putting some mods on it and playing? You that know, game? I played Fallout Four with some mods on the Xbox. Like, there's plenty of mods yeah. for it, yeah. and um, I did throw a couple in. One time, I I tried streaming Fallout Four with a playable super mutant and trying to talk like a super mutant the whole time was <laughs> was a daunting was a daunting task to say the least. Give us some of the super mutant I've heard. It talk about way. having sore throat after broadcast over and over again that's amazing yes. we don't like we don't yeah. like sore throat yeah tune has a uh, i don't know how do you do those cartoons you do these like machinima cartoon things you, you use them on your stream all the time you've got like the super yeah. mutant guy who comes up during your break and, and those kinds of things what do you what do you do those in uh give away your it's secrets a, it's a secret oh it's a secret all right we'll have to talk out we'll have to talk yeah, off stream. trade secret train secret yeah that stuff's awesome um i love i love when people get creative with this stuff uh but yeah the, <laughs> the mods um speaking of mods this is something that we're going to talk about in our uh patron episode next week with all of our patrons um do you guys have favorite mods do you have any mods that stand out that you're like oh yeah this is this was my go-to i loved installing this for me, I follow Ken's uh, steps and put in some shaders, put in some graphical mods on um, 76, and it really made made the landscape pop and, and some of those colors pop a little more, made it a little bit, had a little more depth and uh, a little more realism to it. So graphical yeah. mods are my go-to. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, same here Hi. with uh, New Vegas and Fallout 3. Even now, if you install Tale of Two Wastelands and crank out the, the, the 4K, 2K graphics mods, the game's you know, aren't as polished as Fallout 4 or 76, but they still look really good. And you can get some nice photorealistic effects. Mm -hmm. Dave? Yeah, I like, since I can't do a lot of the the fancy graphical things with my, you know, fancy um, <laughs> the tax filing machine that I've... <laughs> um, I like to do uh, balance changes. Uh, and so on Fallout 4, I like to do it where it's... Uh, Everything is a little more dangerous, so like guns actually hit like guns. So a shotgun is going to be like, yeah, take your head off, devastating, and right? Yeah, and then it, it kind of descales all the levels. So if I kill a raider with some crazy, like they're they could have like some crazy good armor on them, um, then I get it. It feels more. I like balancing it so that everybody is kind of equal um, mm -hmm. when you go and play that game. I, I kind of like that aspect to it. So I guess like they're doing that balance change here soon in 76. So maybe I'll enjoy that a lot. 
Yeah, did you guys ever do the survival mode in Fallout 4? Yeah? I didn't do it on stream because of the, the, the not being able to fast travel. So I, I didn't want to spend my time on stream just walking somewhere. Uh -huh. So I, I, was, I played on very hard, but I never played on survival. That's funny because um, back when I, years ago when I first started streaming, um, people knew me for playing Skyrim. And one of the things I very specifically did was I role played my character and my character was afraid of horses. And so you couldn't fast travel without a horse to take you somewhere. Right. So I walked everywhere, but I had to like be very creative as a streamer and try to stay interesting while walking places. So that's what I did. Um, yeah. So I had exactly the opposite experience where I, I hindered myself from fast travel. Um, <laughs> the other thing I tried to do in Fallout 4, I, I tried streaming this for a little while, was doing a um, survival version, you know, mode or whatever that is, where everything gets really hard and whatever. Um, and I also installed a mod that has an alternative start. Have you ever tried those? Where it just like yeah. places you somewhere in the world. Well, it stuck me right in like a raider camp. With a bunch of people who are like 30 levels above me and that's how i started the game on stream and i was like oh my god <laughs> I had to just run out of the camp. yeah it was one of those things where you got hit like twice and you died so i had to run out of the camp and dodge behind trees and try not to get shot by these these raiders i um, watched that it's great content yeah yeah that one i think i played like twice and then i just gave up on it because i was like this is too hard i can't even get back to the beginning areas of the game <laughs> this is too difficult um Lainey, did you ever do mods? Did you ever play much with mods? Um, not in any of the early runs, but in Fallout 4 I did. What kinds of mods did you like? Um, mostly ones that made it feel like I was playing The Sims. So, so. I would... <laughs> anything I could do to, like, make the setting more interesting, and, like, I did one that completely changed the way that, um... The first... The first... Where you start the game. What's it called? Uh, sanctuary. Sanctuary. It completely redid what Sanctuary looked like. It turned it into, essentially like an apartment complex and then i got to go in every single room and make a different room like it, i spent hours That's just awesome. like building things in what used to be sanctuary so oh, most man. of my mods were like about the aesthetics of the game so she hasn't gotten into 76 yet i'm trying to get her into 76 um there's a huge building component in 76 um oh, yeah. I, I saw a picture recently where somebody created a um it was basically fallout shelter it was a fallout shelter building and hilarious. It was, oh, yeah. it, you looked at it from one side and it was completely open and you could see it's each crazy. of the individual rooms with their own lighting and each room was built to do a certain thing like in Fallout Shelter. Really cool idea. I was like, oh Great my idea. god, how, do, how, is, how have I not come across this yet? Why am I not making my own Fallout Shelter building? That sounds awesome. So yeah, we got really like we got to get laid into this system in four. That's really good. All of the different settlers and it, 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 I guess in seventy six you do a lot. There's a lot more building and and you're kind of left to your own devices like that. But you're pretty much like you're you're pretty much the king in or, or queen in in Fallout Four. Once you get all of the different your your vassals, then you're like, okay, guess what? Your job, you're gonna go scoop some cow poop. You're gonna go pick some tomatoes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like there's there's such a a control that you have over it that it's uh, I've really seen that in a game. I guess since like maybe Fable Two. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of Fable, there's a new Fable on the horizon. That's exciting. Yep. I saw that. That looks really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fable was great. It was one of those games that really, your character changed based on your decisions and stuff, which connects back to Fallout 3 with the whole morality system, which kind of went out the door at one point. Um, I, I missed that, that, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah I kind of wish they would do that with 76 with the mutations, um, where it's like if you have a marsupial, it's like, okay, your feet are now kangaroo legs or... You have a pocket now. Right. Yeah, you have a little <laughs> pocket. You can put a little a plush version of yourself in there. Um, mm -hmm. I, I kind of wish that the character appearances were more modified for those mutations. It's just like I wish that races, like being a ghoul or super mutant or so on and so forth um yeah i want game. i want this is okay so let's let's finish up the episode with some things that we would absolutely love for them to add to 76 and if i could choose anything at all and it's a little bit out there it would be that it would be a, being able to make a character that's not a human the in fallout 76 goal. war machine 6971 yeah. to take over for one verse. yeah i want to be a super mutant i want to 
or a robot. I want to be a robot. Um, so thank you for the uh, for using the BuddyBot one. You can't, you can't BuddyBot doesn't take over the stream while we're recording a podcast. By the way, on the live channel. <laughs> but when we get to the stream afterwards, when I'm playing a game, uh, we can definitely do that. Buddy can BuddyBot will start playing. Uh, the game with us. Um, what have you done, Tom? What have you done? What have I done? What have I done? There's notes on some of these cards that say things like "doesn't work while recording a podcast" because you can't just have BuddyBot take over. Oh, Millet One gave BuddyBot an entire pizza. Gave BuddyBot an entire pizza. I got an entire pizza. That's amazing. Thanks so much. Oh, BuddyBot. <laughs> it looks like I'm doing his voice, but I just know what he's going to say ahead of time, and then yeah, I, just, I just puppet just him. Speaking for him. Yeah. We talked about yeah. it last time. He is yes. puppeteering you. He is you puppeteering me. Puppet. That's correct. So this is, yeah, yeah so uh, j- for anybody who is not familiar with this, we uh, have consolidated the lore. BuddyBot is in my brain. He's like a chip inside my head. And so BuddyBot and I are, are the same person at this point, which I think confirms some people's suspicions. Maybe that's why it's robot with an S. Robots? Yes, it's plural. It's plural. Dual personality. Dual personality. All right, so I would. that's what I would add to 76. <laughs> what would you guys add to 76? It could be anything at all. It doesn't have to be reasonable. What would you add? I want to see a, a season of content where we have to fight aliens and like we get this new in-game boss we have to fight like a spaceship or something like yeah. that. And there's little aliens that populate you know the area you come across random encounters with the aliens i think uh more alien content would be fantastic in fall 76 and a whole season surrounding that oh my god yes the zetons with their yeah, little Zetons, yeah meh, 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 meh. voices that'd be great that'd be so good what about you, what about you guys dave Ken? Uh, well, uh, outside of my my race uh, idea that that um, which I stole the, with the different, it's which my, you stole. It's mine now because I'm the host. Show. It's my show. It's your show. It's my show. Uh, if I could like pitch, if I could pitch like a mode, a uh, roguelike mode where you essentially like uh, maybe it's from by the brothers steal something. You go to a gate and they're like, all right, you go out there and it's like heavily radiated. It's like the um, it's like the corner of uh, the Fallout Four map with the um, the bomb where it dropped and you got to go out there. I forgot the name of that area. Yeah. The, like the, the really irradiated area. The, uh, yeah, it, it, essentially like that. And it's like, you go there, you get the resources. There's going to be crazy monsters. There's going to be all this different stuff. And it's not like a nuke where it's like, sometimes it happens and, and you never know. Like it is a, a roguelike experience. The farther you go out, the harder it is. And then you got to bring that back. I think that that would be a cool way to, to bump up that like survival element to the game. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I like that. I love, I love, I like road roguelikes. I love playing through games where you have to incrementally get better at it, both through experience and through leveling and you get Mm -hmm. further and further and further. I think that would be really cool. That's a really neat idea. I'll get to work on it. We'll start. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> um, so we have some comments in here. Um, uh, Jessica Starr says, "Off map place anywhere build zone with mountain plains and caverns. That would be very cool. Uh, off camp or expanded the map, uh, the glowing sea. Um, thank you to E March. Um, that was the glowing sea. Um, <laughs> more adorable robots to be our friends." Jessica Starr says again. <laughs> uh, Chef says, "I want to play as a Zeton. <laughs> that would be great." That would be amazing. You know what would be awesome is if, because you can talk in game with other people you run, run across, but if you're a Zayton, it automatically translates your voice into just gibberish. <laughs> it's just, just a voice modulator comes in. Right. It just sounds like, <laughs> and like, what's the dialogue when they show up to the settlements? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh, is there I'm, something else I missed on here? Uh, I want to be a sentry bot, uh, no compa- not companions like in Fallout 4. I'm looking forward to instance camps. Ah, I see. Yeah. Make it happen, Bethesda. Ken, what would you add? Yes. What do you think? A return to the karma system. If you're a wasteland monster uh, who takes workshops and, you know, blows out houses or uh, helps little old ladies uh, cross the crater, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. That should count towards a karma system. Uh, and then you, you either have raiders who, who come hunting you or crazy old ladies who pummel you to death with uh, rolling pins and canes. That would be awesome. Oh, or, or if you're a, a known duper 
who's a, a terrible human <laughs> being or any, any of these other things that people are like, oh my God, these people are ruining the game. You only get matched up in games with other people who do the same things you do. There have been some great examples of previous <laughs> games who troll players who employ cheats. Yeah. By like unleashing some kind of hell spawn boss that just will never go away. Yeah. Yeah. What if what if you only grouped that with other people amazing. who like if you if you dupe a bunch of stuff, you only ever group with other people who dupe stuff. If you if you cheat the game and you float through the air, well guess what? You're only playing with other people who float through the air. Gods and monsters. Yeah, or maybe it Welcome to the Gods and Monsters server. It duplicates the player character and then that's always hunting you, your evil twin. <laughs> your two the ultimate troll move. But they have a goatee. <laughs> but they have a goatee, yeah. They right. a, yeah, patch over one eye. Player. Yeah. Oh, I heard you like duping. Well, I have a surprise for you. I have all the same weapons you have. Plus seven. <laughs> and a hairless cat. <laughs> For just to add in a funny thing to go along with it yeah <laughs> you know what speaking of that would be cool to have pets follow you around in the game that would be neat i want a dog it's asking too much i think yeah probably we gotta get players to walk in a straight line first <laughs> then we can talk <laughs> about having pets <laughs> we gotta crawl before we um build the automobile and set off on our first adventure in a model t <laughs> i'd like to be able to ride a bike there are lots of those in the world <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're just kind of laying around. Horses, Kentucky's right there. They got that derby. They got those big. I, I mean, and now <laughs> we're talking. We're talking mounts. Like, what if you could just ride a, ride a, a Brahmin? What if you just like yeah. ride a Brahmin around? That would be awesome. I could see like um, like future Fallout games having having like a mechanic perk system where you could like fix up cars, and the higher your perk is, the more you can do with your car. Uh, and then you can actually drive around in future Fallout's when. You know, yeah. technology catches up and can support big worlds riding around in them like that. Yeah, yeah, they'd all have to be like ATV vehicles, though, because none of the roads are. Well, it starts out like that. You start off like, you know, bicycle, then it's like motorcycle <laughs> and then Corvega and you can soup up your Corvega with stuff. Oh, man. Well, I mean, they had cars in the in what Fallout 2? Fallout 2 had a car yeah, in it. Fallout 2, yeah. 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 Have they showed what horses look like? Because in my head, I'm picturing like cat dog. Like one head on a, horse, head. a horse on each end. Yeah, a horse on each end. Yeah, it doesn't matter which way you get on it. You, you know, <laughs> maybe it's forward. Maybe it's just like maybe it's just like chicken horse. It's like a horse on one side and a chicken on the other. Maybe <laughs> I don't know why that came into my head. I think those two things like represent barnyard animals or something. Uh, hashtag chicken horse. Chicken horse. <laughs> horse. That needs to be a T-shirt. If any of our that's, artists are you friends. writing this down? Chickens, horses, put them together. Brilliant sure. idea. Uh, Chef Jay said a horse with chicken legs. There you go. Horse with chicken legs. I mean, once we're talking about mutations, you can do basically anything, right? So, right. Yeah. And FEV is does some crazy stuff, too. So, yeah. All right. So if you could have any existing creature in the game as a rideable mount, which would you choose? Ward. Ward? <laughs> Dude, he has I was going to say Preston Garvey. You don't but... want to ride that boy when he's got all his <laughs> he likes to. He likes to get around. <laughs> he's, you know, sometimes he's in a chair. Sometimes he's horizontal. Sometimes <laughs> he's, he's got, standing up to his bunk bed. He's got dark powers. Yeah. yeah. I want to ride that. Ride the dark powers. I would go with either a mega sloth or... No, here's the one. The giant hermit crab inside the bus. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. And I wanted to come out of the back of the bus. I wanted to be like, yeah, he comes out, you hop on top, and he goes and scatters across the like environment. Yeah, he he needs like a funny horn too that you can press, like that plays Dixie or something, you know. Yeah, the Dukes of Hazard horn. Or like it played or like Kukaracha. Or what if you had like yeah. a giant rad roach that had a like, la cucaracha horn? There you go. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. or two rad roaches, one for each foot. Yeah, with like a la- like, like uh, reins. Yeah, you like yeah, yeah. Just, just thinking that a pair of crave kick it, a, a pair of crave, cave crickets on my feet because those guys will kill anything. Yes, give me some cave crickets. Yes, or just to sit on oh, the back of like right. a uh, um ah what's the what's the really creepy ghoul the really big one with the long arms. 
It's one of the, uh, s- the Wendigo. The Wendigo. Wendigo. I want to sit on the Wendigo's oh, shoulders Wendigo. and just have it like around. Yeah. But the, the creature that I want is the Grafton monster because that way I can like plaster myself on the back and beat yeah. his head. And then I'm like Hulkbuster. Yeah. Like I'm like the Incredible Hulk walking around, slapping some people up, throwing some tar from my pores. Yes. Weird. <laughs> Surprised none of us said Scorch Beast. On the fly, yeah. Yeah. riding around like Lord of the Rings. Too obvious. That's cool. You have to, yeah. you have to learn three cool. shouts, and then you got to go to the other realm and fight the Dream Scorched Beast, and then. <laughs> oh wait, wrong game. Sorry, <laughs> Lainey. What what kind of creature would you use as a mount? Give me a Mothman. The Mothman? <laughs> would, you, I... would you hang onto its back? Would you like? Would you just put your arms around yeah, its, its like little head? Ride. Yeah, like a piggyback ride. You're like, flying yes. on him. All of a sudden, yeah. he disappears. But that might be dangerous. Wait, consider <laughs> consider this like a bright light anywhere. Like an explosion goes off, Mothman just goes straight to it. You'd be screwed. Right to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in <laughs> the game, the 1980s cartoon that would be <laughs> my Mothman and me. <laughs> in the game they kind of go like up into the air and then they come down again like you could just use it to like teleport across the the environment just and then all of a sudden yeah. you just drop somewhere else what if when it landed it encompassed you in the wings and then teleported mm. you and so like you're hanging out with your buds and you're like all right guys i got i got i got stuff to do and that's how fast travel happens folks yep. it is that's how batman disappears so quickly when he's done talking to people we just figured well, it out Mothman, he's buddies, buddies with the Mothman. All right, guys. Um, uh, Laney, I'd ask you about what you wanted to add to seventy six because, uh, but you haven't really played Self. it. Yourself, I'll add myself. Yes, we need to add you to it. Um, we'll talk. We'll talk, uh, guys. Thank you for joining me. This has been super fun. Um, hopefully, we'll get through another hundred episodes. Um, I'm planning. Yeah. I'm not planning on stopping. So that's that's the plan um and i will be back here regularly at this nine o'clock 9 p.m 6 p.m uh, hour on twitch.tv slash robots radio on monday so um thank you chat for joining us and i hope you guys come back next time but i'm not going anywhere we're going to wrap up this episode and then i will be streaming some fallout 76 and um you guys are welcome. I don't know if you're you're playing games tonight or if you have other plans, but you're welcome to join me as well. And we could go do some meat week or something or whatever. So I'll be knocking that out. The Mothman's Ranger is freaking out. <laughs> Mothman's Ranger is freaking out. Um, let's go through everybody. And uh, well, first of all, thank you all for joining me. And let's Thanks go, for having us. Let's go back through in reverse order and talk about where people can get a hold of you and any cool things that people should know about. Lainey. How can people get hold of you? Um, right now, I'm just on Discord as Neos Pandora, um, N-E-O-S-P-A-N-D-O-R-A. But anyone can reach out to me there. Mm-hmm. And your crazy cat in the background. Laney has- my crazy cat? That's Sushi. That's I have sushi. two cats, Sushi and Noodle. Sushi <laughs> and awful. Noodle, which sounds like a wonderful dinner. Yep. All right. It's, mm, scrumptious. <laughs> Tune, how can people get a hold of you? You can catch me Monday through Friday streaming right here on Twitch uh, starting at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, doing a lot of Fallout 76 content and other Bethesda games when they pop up. Um, on uh, on Twitter, it's at Tuniversal and Facebook and Instagram are Tuniversal TV. Awesome. Yeah, go join it. Go jump in there. I'm, I'm usually lurking in there uh, days when I'm, when I'm just working on stuff. And every so often I pop in and go, Tune! Um, <laughs> Dave, how can people get a hold of you? Well, first off, let me say uh, that it has been a pleasure to know you, and you are so kind and organized and very creative and have gotten so fantastic at podcasting. It's awesome. Uh, so congratulations on the 100 episodes. Well, shucks. Uh, Thanks. Well, now you got to get tissues out and cry. Um, All right. <laughs> but you can find me um, at the new podcast at Geography Arcade. comes out Thursday. Um, I talk about growing up in Appalachia and the home place in anthropology. So get ready for that. Um, comes out Thursday. Um, Geography Arcade. Subscribe now. Awesome. Ken? You can find me uh, with our season two, which is now in production, will be coming out next month, um, which is going to be a big one with uh, several guest stars, including... Um, 
which I'm really excited about. Uh, you can also find me at Fallout 76 Podcast on Twitter, social media, things. Um, you can find Chad wherever Chads are sold, Osco, CVS. <laughs> wherever Chads are You can buy Chads? Why not? Sure. Um, also, uh, Ken, and Dave and I, Ken and Dave and I do the Fallout Hub Tuesdays, 5 p.m. slash 2 p.m., 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on uh, oh, Twitch.tv slash the Fallout Hub channel. Ta-da! All right, everybody. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. We'll be, we'll be back doing this thing on the internets tomorrow, so come hang out with us there. And uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out. And until next time, uh, I don't know come up with some cool lore stuff. I usually bring this rack around somehow, but today I can't really come up. Until next time, find a crazy mutated animal and ride on it. There we go. There's one. That's one for you. All right, everybody. Ride something. Ride something. See you later. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. This podcast was brought to you in part by our patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast, including our tier five patrons. Thank you so much to Firewriter for supporting the show. Also, if you're interested in business inquiries, advertising on the show, or applying to be a podcast on the Robots Radio Network, send me a message at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or robotsnetwork at gmail.com. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.